Hey, all my true crime fans, and welcome to The Criminal Conversation, where we sit down and have a conversation about all things true crime. I am your host, Sarah, and this is the one with the woman from Peru. So, let's get started. I would like to warn you guys, this covers murder, sexual assault, and violence, and is only intended for mature audiences, so listener discretion is advised. This case starts with a 911 call on the 20th of September, 2015, at 3.30 a.m., where a man was reporting his girlfriend was having difficulty breathing. He doesn't know what the address is to their apartment, considering they've only lived there a few days, and expects dispatchers to be able to trace the call and find where they are. He insists she needs medical attention right now, and the dispatcher insists that she needs the address. The call gets disconnected quickly, which he later admits that he threw the phone against the wall because if he was frustrated with the dispatcher for needing an address. The man calling was none other than Fidel Lopez, a 26-year-old South Florida man. The woman in need of medical attention was none other than Maria Nemeth, 31-year-old. But it would be soon discovered that Maria was having more problems, far worse than difficulty breathing. Police and first responders arrive. They soon located a man crying next to the body of a woman who had been brutally attacked in the bathroom and asked the man, later identified as Fidel, what had happened. He went on to describe a night of drinking tequila, getting very intoxicated, led the couple to having sex when she started complaining of a bad stomach ache. She went to the restroom and wanted him to leave her alone. He suspected she was throwing up and getting sick from too much drinking. When he stopped hearing her throwing up and noises from the bathroom, he went back in and said he seen she was struggling to breathe. From that brief, brief description, one would suspect that there was alcohol poisoning or side effects from drinking too much alcohol and that the woman was having difficulty. But, as anyone with two eyes at that scene could tell, it was very apparent there were a few key details left out of that call and out of his description. The numerous problems with his story started to surface as investigators started to process the scene. They discovered large amounts of blood on the walls, clothes, floor, shoes, and ceiling of their walk-in closet. So much so that they believed that was the source of most of the injuries and where they occurred. There were holes in the walls, there were broken doors throughout the home, busted laptop, and a sliding glass door smashed to pieces. The bathroom was just as bad. There was blood everywhere. The sink was still running when police arrived. He was immediately taken into custody to get a statement of his version of events, considering the woman that was struggling to breathe was dead when they arrived. The officers started with basic questions about each of them, their families, and the day before that led up to these events. He could give details about the previous day, about their whereabouts leading up to them drinking at their new apartment, having rough sex, and then finding her struggling to breathe. 
The condition of the home, along with the state of Maria's body, led them to believe that this was far beyond rough sex gone wrong. They got down to the details, and most of Fidel's answers consisted of, I don't really remember, I don't know, I was too drunk, and I don't understand. See, Fidel is primarily Spanish-speaking. He was from South America. Maria is from Peru. And they both moved to the U.S. And they've moved back and forth since then. But at this time, they lived in South Florida. They had their own apartment. And she actually worked at that apartment building for about five or six years. They had only been together for about a year, and before that, she had been married for eight years. Fidel, on the other hand, had been with a woman for about two or three years, and he had two babies with. At the time of this event, they were one and two years old. And Maria and Fidel had been together for about a year. So, he had just had a baby with another lady. They split up, and him and Maria got together. They started living together immediately, and their relationship built until the time of this event. So, back to the scene. The interrogators and investigators knew to re-ask questions again down the line, even reword their questions to get answers to many of the outstanding questions or the questions that were left unanswered. So as they go through the interrogation, they start asking him questions. And a lot of the ones that were coming up with an answer of, I don't remember, I don't know, I was drunk, they re-answered them again or re-asked them again down the line to see if they could get a better depiction of what was really going on in that house that he was not telling these officers. They quickly noticed Fidel left out big chunks between when they started drinking at the apartment and the time they found Maria, by the time he found Maria struggling to breathe in the bathroom. They began getting more details about all the damage to the apartment, and Fidel stating he did all of the damage. Maria would never hit anything, according to him, but he also couldn't remember why he had damaged their apartment. They then turned to the sexual acts, and they asked, what led up to things getting so rough? Why did things get so rough? And Fidel claimed he didn't remember anything. He finally claimed that he remembered her asking him to place a glass bottle that they had drank from into her vaginal cavity and his hand. He claimed over and over again that she had never asked him to do anything like this. They had never been into rough sex or BTSM, anything like that to lead up to this event, but claims that this is what started it. He said there started getting, things started getting bloody. He got turned off and he re, <laughs> he reiterates more than once. He got no pleasure out of the event. The investigators quickly asked if this was their norm. If this was something that they had ever done before, Fidel again says no. That she had just randomly asked us because he thinks she was drunk. But all of us know that are probably listening to this podcast and adults, that stuff doesn't just happen. We don't just all of a sudden say, okay, 
let's just jump into BDSM and, and fisting and that stuff is a progressive thing that happens over time and you can't just do that all at once it's it's just not how it works he claimed that's what she wanted and that's how it worked this night investigators finally get more direct with Fidel they start telling him hey we found her intestines and vaginal tissue in the floor in the closet where you had ripped things out of her cavities by severe force this is not easy to do this is not a one-time occurrence this didn't just randomly get too rough and you didn't notice that there were things coming out of her and that there was blood everywhere they knew there was more to the story and they needed an explanation but he continued to insist she was asking for it and that the entire time he never asked her to stop this is really really hard for me to believe if someone is being disemboweled while they are alert and coherent there is no way she's not screaming or telling him to stop or something. I mean, that's just not something that happens. So, the conversation progresses. They remind Fidel they have an entire apartment of evidence that is contradicting his story. They needed to know what happened and they wanted him to be honest. He finally broke down and told officers that it started with the two of them drinking having a good time, they had sex in the closet, and twice during intercourse, Maria called Fidel her ex-husband's name. Now this has got to be a huge blow to anyone who is called the wrong name during an intimate moment. It doesn't matter how freaky you are or how out of touch you are with anything, everyone knows this is a huge no-no. This is not something anyone wants to hear during sex. And when you're being intimate with your partner and you hear them say a different name that's not yours, especially knowing that that's an ex of yours or theirs, then it sh it's got to be completely gut-wrenching. But the part that really gets me is Fidel doesn't get mad, angry, yell, cuss, scream, leave. He decides to take his rage out on their apartment, punching walls, breaking the glass door, wrecking their home. And then, after all that, he turned his rage on Maria. He said he turned into a monster. He brutally assaulted her with multiple objects, including one of which was a hair straightener that they found covered in her blood and tissue. The medical examiner found objects including sex toys still in her body cavities during her autopsy she lived through being disemboweled and assaulted violently covered in blood and he admitted to watching her crawl into the bathroom from the closet and I mean I couldn't even imagine what was going through her mind in that moment trying to get away from him trying to get somewhere where she could shut or lock a door she crawls to the bathroom and he follows her, continuing to assault her in the bathroom again until she bled to death on the floor. He realized that she was dead, tried to splash water in her face and slap her to supposedly bring her back to life. He doesn't stop what he's doing and call 911 and, and get emergency medical help for her. He doesn't try to do CPR. He claims to not know how. 
and that's understandable. I don't really know how to do CPR, but I know enough of it to figure it out. And he said then he walked over to the sink, which, remind you, it was still running when officers arrived. He cleaned his hands. He cleaned himself up. He walked into their closet covered in blood in her tissue and changed his shirt because he said there was blood all over it. He then stepped outside to smoke a cigarette. No big deal. Just going to stand outside and smoke a cigarette. And he proceeds to go back inside, find their phone. He said he had to put it back together to call 911. So at some point in time during his rage and his outburst, he had either broken or busted open their phone. He had to put the battery back in to call. And I did not know that phones that had a battery inserted were still made. I honestly had to look that up, but they are. He put the phone back together. He called 911. He was frantically telling them that she needed medical assistance, which we had discussed before, and then threw the phone out of frustration because he didn't know the address to the house. So, during all of this, he sat on the floor and started to really process and think about what he had done. He said he started crying and getting very upset that she was really gone because he truly loved her. And that's really hard for me to wrap my head around how someone could claim to love someone so deeply and then brutally assault them for hours until they bled to death. Like, I just can't imagine... I can't imagine how you would get to that point in that degree. He then said he went outside to smoke, called them, waited, cried. And all of this was over her saying her ex-husband's name while drunk during sex. He was charged with first-degree murder and two counts of sexual battery with a weapon or force. And at the first hearing, he pled not guilty. After two years of trying to negotiate and setting one trial date after another to be extended, they finally had a plea deal that was accepted, and it was took the death penalty off of the table, and he agreed to life in prison without the possibility of parole for his guilty plea. He is currently being held in Hamilton Correction Institute in Jasper, Florida. I truly hope her family has some kind of closure knowing that he's being held without the possibility of getting out into the real world again. I mean, the way their their daughter, their their sister, their cousin, their family member had to be horribly injured and die and taken from them way too soon has to be something that is absolutely haunting and will take a lifetime to accept and understand and for most people it it doesn't so anyways guys I really hope you enjoyed this episode we're going to have a few short episodes for our lunch today and we really hope that you guys enjoy this and hope you come back for more criminal conversation Um, if you did don't hesitate to jump over and give me a five star review on whatever platform that you're listening to the podcast today Um, Don't forget to subscribe, and that way you can continue to get our episodes automatically downloaded for you. That way you can listen to them on the go or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. 
If you want to hear more about us, like, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Criminal Conversation. And we will continue to share more stories and keep an eye out for our news. We're going to have some very exciting news drop in the next few weeks. And um, we got a Patreon maybe coming your way. So just keep a close eye out. And um, thank you guys. I can't wait to meet you here next week for more Criminal Conversations. Bye.